We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Nerds with myself, Daniel Antos, and I'm here today with Marla Johnson, the CEO and founder of Aristotle. Hi, Marla. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm fine. Good. Thank you for joining me today. Well, today we just kind of want to go over your presentation, which is titled Message in a Digital Bottle, Finding the Right Audience. So if you just want to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background, and we'll just start chatting. Sure. So about 20 years ago, I was working on a video game with Electronic Arts, and it was one of the most fun jobs I'd ever had. Um, And after that, somebody said, hey, you should start an Internet company. (laughs) And after I found out what the Internet was, I decided that was a really great idea. Um, I really have loved the Internet since its very beginning and have been really privileged to be out there experimenting and trying things on the Internet, you know, in all these years. And the result has been, you know, some really great experiences uh, for our clients and for us at Aristotle. And it's just been really a lot of fun. I am insatiably curious, and I get bored easily. So it's really great to be in an industry that changes so rapidly. Yeah, it sounds like a good fit for sure. So the first question I want to ask you is, your speech is going to be about finding the right audience, which I think is one of the biggest things a lot of people have trouble with because they put content out there in whatever format they do, and they don't really think about who they're putting it towards. I don't feel like as many people put as, as much effort as they should into that. So what do you think the biggest misconception is when people are trying to find their target audience? Well, I think that people either assume their audience is broader than it is or they make it too narrow. And that's mainly because they're not really looking at data. And I'm very empathetic about that because, you know, it takes a lot of time and energy to generate the data and to be doing experimenting and to be looking at the data as it comes in and actually coming up with some tactics around it. But, you know, the biggest misconception is that people think that everybody is really, you know, a great contender for their product or service, or they think that it's um, hyper-local and they maybe don't understand that they could have broader reach. That's fair enough. Well, how do people get that data to determine whether they're looking for 34-year-old mothers or 80-year-old women, which maybe not so much on the Internet, but possibly, depending on what you're selling? Right. Well, there are a lot of large brands who, you know, invest a lot of money in research, you know, specifically around audience. And so there are companies who do that. But I think that who I'm talking to maybe today would be more the people who don't have six-figure-plus budgets for research around their target audiences. And so my emphasis is really about how we can learn information about our audiences from our standard web analytic tools and the other great tools that we have out there like um, search metrics and also some of the cool surveying tools we have out there like Qualtrics. Um, So basically using the assets that you have out there, whether it's Facebook and you're looking at insights 
or you're talking about Google Analytics and your website in order to begin to understand better who your audience is. And I think you're right. I think for your your speech, you're going to be talking more enterprise. Today, I think our podcast, we tend to get some enterprise, but small businesses as well. It's like what kind of tools could a smaller business use to try to figure out who their target audience should be and who they should be aiming towards? Well, Google Analytics is an incredibly powerful tool. Right. And people really do need to learn about Google Analytics. Um, several people here at Aristotle have been working hard and studying and getting certified in Google, Google Analytics, and it's something I would really recommend for all of those marketing geeks out there because you can begin to understand the power of that tool. Also, um, we've been using Tableau a lot. It's very inexpensive, and it's a way for us to get some data visualization around a lot of data. Already, you know, with Google Analytics and other tools like Search Metrics and maybe, you know, whatever your email client is, you're looking at email data, you're looking at who's opening it, how many people are opening it, what subjects right. are resonating. You know, it's just an inundation of data. And the more marketing you're doing and the more content marketing you're doing, the more data you have and the more overwhelming it can become. So I really do recommend also looking at Tableau because it allows you to pull that data into some into some visualizations, some charts, some scatter plots, some matrices that allow you to understand a little bit more about your target audience and what content is resonating. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking. I think it's www.tableau.com, a very difficult website to remember. T-A-B-L-E-A-U. Right. I'll include that in the post. And actually, it looks like they have a 14-day free trial. So if anybody wanted to try that, it looks like you can give it a shot without having to show up money right off the bat. Absolutely. You know, another um, tool that we've been using lately is Qualtrics. So um, it's also a great tool. Um, so being able to, and you're seeing this more and more, being able to actually have it where on every page, at the bottom of the page, it'll say something like, is this page helpful to you? Right. Being able to get some data around that is also hugely helpful. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at, if I'm looking at the right one. I think it's an app, and I'll include, again, the links to all of the tools that Marla mentioned today and the, the post on SCJ. So one of the things I hear about a lot is doing the, the buyer personas. Is that something that you recommend? And if so, how, how do you think people should go about doing that? Like developing the, okay, it's going to be Susie Q. She is 35 years old, works in it, maybe an Internet company, that kind of thing. Is that something that's useful to most most businesses? I actually think that the user persona is hugely helpful. Um, I was very skeptical at first. Um, it seemed kind of trendy. But right. <laughs> it is so great as we have more and more channels Again, you know, we've got Pinterest, we've got Facebook, we've got right. Twitter account, we've got all this social <laughs> going on. We're directing a lot of those people often to a website for the actual conversion. We're actually trying to sell something or get them to download something or um, take some kind of action. So being able to um, combine uh, the idea of, of of personas along with our online media and marketing, which is very helpful, like our Google AdWords and whatever our banner advertising or other online media campaign, even YouTube video promotions. We really do need to just step back and say, who's actually looking at this? I think that one of the big problems that we have as online marketers is that we just um, are very general and we right. want to have 
some kind of message out there and put it everywhere and hope that it reaches everybody. It just doesn't work that way. It tends to usually be flat. So the the persona actually at, invites us to say, who is this woman, for example, who's 35 years old, who has a child who's 10 years old or five years old? Right. What is it that she needs? What is it that she's asking for? So that actually suggests a search marketing strategy, you know, what will she, where will she be, what will she be doing, what device will she be on. We use it a lot in web development because it helps us to um, create content in, in pockets that actually make sense and walk people through in fewer steps to where it is that we need them to go. And this is getting more and more critical in a mobile world because the data is definitely in that people are clicking less in mobile. So even though we're seeing a lot more people coming to through our media and to our websites through mobile, right. they are not wanting to click a lot. So huh. we're having to really be focused on these user personas and be segmenting and targeting our marketing efforts much more so. Otherwise, we're wasting more of our more of our advertising money. So do you think it's that they're just doing less on their mobile phone, they're responding to CTAs less, or they want less actions, do you think? I think that um, we have a, a small screen. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so the idea of scrolling and scrolling or clicking and clicking um, is, is, uh, is, seems more arduous. I also think that people on their phones and people in general today are just more in a hurry. You know, it's just like that book, Faster. You know, we just keep getting faster and faster. We want things faster. And we're used to, we also are just so used to people giving us the information we want when we want it and how we want it, even though there's a lot of frustration around that, obviously. Right. But it is the expectation that that we have. And so if, the, if, so if I have, if I'm having to click and click and click in order to figure out what this is or how I'm going to do this, you know, I'll probably just find another way to do it. Right. You know, maybe I'll even pick up a phone and call somebody, or maybe I'll give up and go somewhere else. Yeah, my first inclination is usually to go somewhere else. <clears throat> yeah, to I think do something different. There's so many options. You know, like yeah. maybe I'm, let, let's say, that's a bad example maybe, but let's say I'm looking for a Mexican restaurant, and I'm having trouble finding it. Oh, forget it, you know, I'll go eat Thai. <laughs> Right, or maybe I wanted to try something new and I can't find one. I'm like, I'm just going to go to that same place I always go to because I don't understand. Restaurants are particularly bad, I think, about that, about having the mobile-friendly, easy to find, easy to locate, like whether it's a click-to-call or click-to-locate. I find those are almost the worst. I wonder if it's because they're small, family-owned businesses and they just don't understand the importance of that. I think that that's a part of it. I think that you know a lot of restaurants are also – um, beginning to use their Facebook pages a lot more so than websites in order to um, give people information about specials or, you know, be able to share photos from what the chef has, you know, whipped up today. Right. So I think that um, that definitely has some limitations based on that platform. But, you know, like anything else, there's usually some app besides a website or a website search that's going to be the experience maker so for lodging, it might be a TripAdvisor, and for restaurants, it's going to be something like Yelp, and so or an Urban Spoon, depending on whether you're in an urban setting or not. And so, those people using those apps are actually 
getting the kind of user experience that they that they like. And I would say that's one of the issues we have with online media and marketing where we're we might be using targeted ad serving and we might be optimizing our our promotions and our advertising and even retargeting and really getting in front of the audience that we want to whether they're on mobile, tablet, phone, I mean or or the desktop. Part of what is driving people's desire to get information in exactly the way they want it is is actually apps. So, you know, we do have a lot of mobile apps where we can get information exactly the way we want it. We can get comparison shopping. We can get pricing. You know, we can look at information like such as Yelp. We can get user reviews kind of all in one place. So one of the issues we have in doing, for example, search marketing or marketing on, on the web and not necessarily in-app promotion right. is that we're, you know, we're, we aren't able to control the user experience and the number of steps that it takes them to get to a conversion as easily as, as you can in an app. And we're also not able to just give them sometimes as, as beautiful a user experience. Yeah, I think that's becoming, the user experience is definitely becoming more and more important. It reminds me of the Don't Make Me Think book. Are you familiar with that? I love that book. <laughs> it's a good I love book. it. Just, yeah, I mean, if anybody hasn't read Don't Make Me Think, they should read it and the sequel, which is... Yes, I think it's just Something free like, visits. Don't make it's not rocket surgery. Yeah, <laughs> good book it's, too. Like, it's one of my favorite quotes, actually. Um, yeah, that's. I think just making it easier on mobile is definitely important. I get frustrated, and I can't decide if it's just because I'm a normal user, or if it's because I'm in marketing. Like, I get inordinately angry when people. I'm like, why do you not have the things get all funky? Like, as soon as it goes on mobile, because I didn't even try to make it mobile. Friendly, like not even a little bit. I think that, you know, what's amazing to me on that front, and this might be a little bit off topic, is is that what Google's doing with their apps, and again, kind of controlling the experience through the app process. Right. Um, You can do that on the productivity, you know, set, you know, for their docs and their sheets and, you know, and and the email. So I think that, again, this... um, juxtaposition of search, which is fast, but it's going to give you a lot of, and it's semantic. People are just like speaking into their phone. They're asking a question. Right. Um, that's what they do, by the way. I, I work with somebody named Connor who I often think he's just brilliant and he's genius, and then I find out he just looked it up on Google. <laughs> <laughs> that's my secret tool for being smarter, too, to be honest. <laughs> So anyway, I think that I actually I think that's kind of smart. Yeah. <laughs> Being able to use Google better than other people is is a valuable skill in this day and age. I'm going to put that on my resume. <laughs> I can use Google better than anybody. I also like the uh, let me Google that for you website. If someone asks you a question that's kind of silly, are you familiar with that? I'm not. Oh, I'll have to send it to you. It's it, literally if you just Google "Let me Google that for you," it ends up being a video. You type in and you send them the link, and it literally just goes to a Google page, shows the words being typed in, <laughs> kind of a smart <laughs> reply to someone asking a question that they could have found themselves. But it amuses me. Um, so we're about out of time, but I wanted to ask you: What do you think is the biggest takeaway people should have when they're trying to find the right audience? Just number one bit of advice that you have. Well, the big thing is that we 
we think more about our product and what it is we want to sell than about the audience and what it is they need. So once we can actually make that flip in our heads where we're thinking about what the customer or potential customer needs to have answered and what problem they need to have solved, it's, it will help us immediately move toward an audience segmentation and a user persona strategy. Um, you then start developing your content not around um, not around your products and services as much as you are developing your content around the different audiences and then you're driving them into the right product for them. And this especially works if you have multiple products and services, which most people have, not everybody, right. but a lot of companies do. So um, it it it's you know people will have to be able you have to be able to cross link and you know work across channels to make sure that if that's not what people are looking for that they can find the other things so your navigation and your user experience is all very very important but the more we can identify real people and then develop content that meets their needs quickly then we can just kind of add more layers to that and I think that eventually we'll get to kind of an automated personalization strategy, but um, we're not there yet. So right now we're using these imperfect chunks of segmentation. <laughs> but at least some segmentation is better than none. I mean, here's, a, here's one quick example. So we work with uh, an attraction. It's a theme park. And there are people who have heard of this theme park, and there are people who have never heard of this theme park. Okay. So either, you know, our strategy has to be, the strategy has unconsciously been, we're just going to assume everybody knows about this theme park. And so the result is, is that the online media strategy has been focused on, hey, here's a 10% here's a discount. We're assuming you know why you even want to go here. And so we're giving you a discount. But there's a large audience who have never even heard of the place. They don't understand it, even though it might be, you know, not that far away and a real doable, you know, place for them to go with their family, it doesn't occur to them. And that's because our marketing strategy hasn't taken into account people who are in various geographic markets who actually would be interested in this because this theme park offers this, this, and this benefit. So once we understand that, we can then start Tone, we can start putting a tone in our advertising and we can start reaching broader into non-branded terms and we can start you know, expanding our reach and then bringing those people into content that's going to first explain to them the value of this theme park and why they even want to go there and why it's a cool deal. And then later if we need to retarget to them some kind of discount, we can, but now, that, now, we, under, now we know that they know what it even is. Yeah, it definitely sounds... Like it's shifting more, less towards selling and more towards helping, which I think has been a pretty common theme lately in marketing. Absolutely. And of course, you know, the fact that we've been able to speak into our phones is a big part of that. Right. Because that is how we think. And now we're, consumers are driving the process and they're driving the process and they're asking questions. You know, where is a great place for me to go this weekend that's within 100 miles? You know, right. something like that. So now we now we 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 as marketers have to have to kind of meet those consumers where they're actually asking questions. And it's why it's why a lot of our marketing now is much more about answering questions and helping you write. That's good advice. I appreciate that. 
Um, I think we're out of time, Marla, but I really appreciate you taking time to talk with us today. I think you gave some really valuable advice. Well, thank you so much, and thank you guys for joining us for Marketing Nerds. We'll see you next time. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.